Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. What follows is the service from August 1st, 1st, 2021. Thank you and God bless. So they saved it until the morning, as 
Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Uh, everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. We are so thankful for your love for us. We are so grateful for this church that we can uh, come together and worship you. We uh, are grateful to you for all things like the uh, Israelites in the wilderness. You have given, you have really given us the manna of life, and we are grateful. Father, we thank you for Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen. morning and what a healing rain we had last night. Um, I know some of you may have had tickets to the Garth Brook concert or got stuck out away from your homes because of the flooding, but oh, we needed that and it was just, just lovely. Thank you God for that. Let's read from Psalm 78, 23 through 39. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens and by his power made the south wind blow. He rained meat down on them like dust, birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp all around their tents, and they ate till they were gorged. He had given them what they craved. Let's pray. Father, hear the prayer we offer. We come before you as sinners, and we ask for your forgiveness. We know that we live in a place that offers us so much temptation. And yet we are so thankful for this family who keeps us close to you. We ask you to grant us mercy as we repent. Help us to confess to one another because that makes us better people. And in return, Lord, because of what you've done for us, help us to forgive others and grant them mercy. We give thanksgiving for shelter and food that you provide. <coughs> We don't even have to think about it each and every day. We go to bed, we get up, we supply food for our families, and we don't even usually have to think about where it's gonna come from. Bring people to us that need our help, people who don't have shelter, people who don't have food, and people who don't know what's gonna happen today, much less tomorrow. 
Help us to remember that our blessings are gifts to be shared and not to be hoarded. Help us never to be caught building up more barns and more barns for ourselves and our children. We ask for healing prayers on this church. We ask you to be with Marianne as she continues on this path and bring her healing and help her to have peace and strength for each day. We thank you that Cassie was able to go home and um, feel better and be reunited with her family. We ask as we come together that you restore our souls. For those of us who work mainly outside of these four walls, we thank you that we have a place to come and be filled and a group of people that help us make it through the week. For those of us who work within these four walls or the people with the people that are in these four walls, restore their souls and help them to be able to go out and teach and mentor and do what needs to be done for our flock. Nourish our leaders. Keep them safe from the evil one. We are so blessed at this con con uh, congregation. And yet we know that Satan is there waiting for us as we leave. We don't get this blessing for free. And we uh, thank you for our leaders who have discernment and wisdom and are connected to you with prayer to lead us. We ask that you bring us home safely to you one day and that we be ready for that. While this is the place that we want to be because we see our friends and our family, we know that it must be even better when we get to go home to be with you. Jesus, you know our needs before we recognize them. Please speak those to our Father on our behalf through your name. Amen. <coughs> Good morning. It's really good to see everybody today, specifically after a good week at camp, but a hot week and then all kinds of storms last night. It's just good to be inside in the air conditioning and out of the rain together. So we're grateful for your presence. We're going to grab a bulletin. We're going to read our gospel reading together from the Gospel of John in just a brief moment. We're in John chapter 6 for a few weeks. And John chapter 6 is the chapter where bread is the main image, both literally and figuratively. We talked about last week how Jesus' kingdom is in direct contrast to the kingdoms of this world, specifically the kingdom of the Caesar at that time, Tiberius. In Jesus' kingdom, we're called to share. It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000 by five loaves and two fish. And in Jesus' kingdom, everyone has bread. Jesus puts the exclamation point on that by walking on the Sea of Tiberias as if to say, this is my dominion. In our passage today, Jesus will leverage the story of manna in the wilderness, which Justin and Melissa both read uh, scriptures referencing the manna in the wilderness. And Jesus will leverage that story to teach us what it means to have a relationship with with him. And so our reading today is John chapter 6, 22 through 35. 
If you would stand with me for today's reading. And if you'd like to join with me in the bold section, feel free. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Together, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Thank you. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Together, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is God's word. You may be seated. Have you ever used a bread starter? I confess I don't have a ton of experience with this. We've done it a little bit in our house. I know some of you have even given us bread from bread starters. And correct me later if I say some of these words a little wrong. But my understanding of a bread starter is that you have the basis of the bread, the, the yeast compound, the growing compound. And you keep that in the fridge. And it, it's growing during the week. And, and you take care of the bread starter. Almost like it's a living thing because in a way it kind of is, right? Um, and, and you feed it. Some feed it flour, some, some feed it uh, potato. What's the word I'm looking for? Flakes. Thank you very much. Okay, nice safe there. Uh, flour, potato flakes, you feed it and you kind of keep it going. And as it grows, you kind of have a decision to make every so often. Um, do I eat it? Do I share it? Or do I throw it out? Okay, because you just can't leave it in the fridge as it's growing. And you have to take care of it because it's a living thing. You can kill it if you don't steward it well. Some people, and I was talking to Ashley Hoskins about this the other day, some people have bread starters over 100 years old. So they're eating bread that comes from a bread starter that might even go back to the 1800s or the early 1900s. And it's an incredible thing to be a part of, you might say, ancient bread, right? I mean, it's something that's been going on for so long that you've inherited, that, you're, that you've passed on. As we talk about bread this morning, I want you to think about that. What does it mean 
to be given something that you did not create and something that did not originate with you. And what does it mean to have that in your refrigerator and to be given the job to take care of it, to cultivate it, to steward it, and then to be given the choice, how will I use it? What will I use for my family? What will I share? When does it need to be thrown out as I cultivate it? Like what crucial decisions do we make as we cultivate the bread? Back to this story. The people are following Jesus. They're chasing around because he's on fire in the countryside. People are coming to him from all over because of the miracles he's done, because of the signs he's done, because he fed the 5,000, he fed the people, and then he walked on water, and they're like, we didn't see you go that direction, but then you showed up on this side of the shore, and just the crowd's all over the place searching for Jesus. And Jesus calls out their motivation and he wants to call them to a higher motivation because their motivation for following Jesus is they want to eat. That's their motivation. It's a physical motivation. They want their bellies full. They're not drawn to him at this point because he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. They're not drawn to him because he's the Son of God or anything like that. They simply want to eat. And Jesus wants to propel them to a higher type of relationship, a higher type of motivation. To be clear, he's not upset with them. He's not angry. He's not judging them. He knows people need to eat. That's why he just fed them, right? But he, knows, he wants to call them beyond physical bread to spiritual bread. This is not spiritual bread instead of physical bread. This is a holistic understanding of bread that brings spirituality and physicality together. This is not quit whining about eating, just go pray. This is no. This physical bread should lead you to an even more comprehensive understanding. That, that includes physicality. In our ministries, we should model Jesus in this. We should seek to meet people's physical needs and people's physical hungers, but propel them, propel each other, to higher needs while not neglecting. Sometimes you just need to eat. Sometimes you just need a hot meal. Sometimes you just need a place to stay. And never forget that and never judge that because that's a need we will always have as humans. In this, though, he's propelling them to a very different type of relationship. And I'd phrase it this way. Spencer helped me frame some of it this past week at camp as we were kind of talking out this story. Jesus is contrasting a transactional relationship with a vulnerable relationship. A transactional relationship with a vulnerable relationship. In a transactional relationship, you do something in order to get something. You do something in order to get something. Kids, I got some bad news for you. School's about to start, okay? And some of you have a transactional relationship with academics. You don't care about learning so, some days, right? And I confess some days I didn't care about learning. Just tell me which worksheets to do so we can have recess, <laughs> right? Just tell me the test to take so I can get the A, so I can move on. It's a transactional type of relationship. <clears throat> I confess, growing up in my, my parents' home, I often had a transactional relationship with chores and with the things they wanted me to do. I didn't have a great sense of my family will be more peace if we live in a clean house. I just knew I wasn't going to get an allowance and I wasn't going to get to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles unless I clean my room. 
And it was strictly a transaction. It wasn't because I had this great love for my parents and wanted to obey them, okay? I traded the chores for the different freedoms and stuff I wanted to do. Sometimes we have that in other relationships, right? Where we just go through the motions. Oh, it's Valentine's Day. I guess I'll buy a card because that's what you're supposed to do. And I give the card, but what more do you want from me? That type of thing, right? It's, that would be, that, I've never done that. That was not autobiographical. I just went first person for effect. But, um, you know, that's a transactional type of way of looking at it. And we can do that with God sometimes. I'll pray the prayer. I'll read the Bible. I'll go to church and exchange for God taking care of me. But that's why I'm in it. It's a religious trade. I do the rituals, I do the practices, and the cosmic genie blesses me, and I deserve my three wishes. This is what, in the book of Job, Satan accuses Job of. And he comes to God and he says, God, these humans down there, you got, they don't love you. This is just transactional. They're just worshiping you. They're just following you because you give them good things. If you take away the good things, they'll no longer follow you. To which God responds basically one of that, right? And that's the great story of Job. Because Job had a vulnerable relationship with God and not a transactional relationship with God. Because in a vulnerable relationship with God, we say, sure, I want to get blessed. I hope I get blessed. I pray that I will get blessed. But even if I don't, God is still God. And it's the call to say, I worship God because God is God. Instead of, I worship God in exchange for blessings. Some of us have been in transactional relationships and then suddenly when you find yourself in a vulnerable relationship, you're like, this is a completely different type of thing. That they don't love me for what I do for them. They love me because of, because of who I am. And it's a very different type of thing. We're tempted, though, so often when we frame things from a mere religious standpoint to approach God transactionally. And I want to tell you a hard story that I think illustrates this, and then we'll go back to John 6. I was talking to a friend recently. It's not someone any of you know. It's not someone that, that even lives in Tennessee. But there's a young person in their 20s that has come down with a health condition that's just not fair. And, um, and at one point, they beat it, and everybody's excited, and then it came back. And the odds are still in their favor, but it's just, they're 27, and it's, it's just not fair. And it's not. And I haven't seen this person, but social media stuff, I've tried to reach out to them. A ton have and encourage them. And I was talking to a family member of this person the other day, and I said, how are they doing? And, and this, this family member said, well, I was talking to her the other day, and uh, and she was real honest with me, and I was glad she was honest with me. But she's pretty much lost her faith at this point. She's not practicing her faith. 
And her, her quote was, I'm taking a break from God because God is taking a break from me. And I want you to know two things. I get it. I've never walked in her shoes. It's completely unfair what she's going through. And it's hard and it's brutal and all those things. And yet, that's a transactional relationship with God. Because you took a break from me, that's her perception. I'm now going to take a break from you. A vulnerable relationship is saying, I don't get this. This is not fair. I lament. But at the end of the day, you are still God. Is this easy? Of course it's not easy. We were never told discipleship would be easy. Is it fun? Of course it's not fun. I don't like it. I, don't make, I, didn't, I didn't write this. <laughs> but these are the stories we've been given. So let's get back to the text here. They come to him. He's so, they're all excited about what's going on. And he looks at them and says, Do not work for the food that spoils. That's verse 27. And immediately they would have heard, he's talking manna. Because we're talking about food that spoils. Okay? This is why it's so important for us to know our Bible so we get the references, we get the allusions. It's why it's so important to study the Old Testament, even though sometimes it's wild and crazy and we have no idea what to do with it, right? But it's important to know it so we can quickly know those stories. So when you hear, I was talking about this last week, when we hear, and they broke the bread, we should go ding, 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 Passover, communion. When we hear food that spoils, we're like, oh, this is a manna reference. And Jesus is only going to make that clear as the story goes. In verse 28, after he says, do not, do, the, do not work for that which spoils, they say, what must we do to do the works God requires? And notice how the framing of that is transactional. Okay, there's something better we're supposed to do. There's something different we're supposed to do. We'll just tell us what worksheet to fill out, and we'll fill it out. Like, tell us what assignment to do. We'll, like, what do I got to do to get an A? Just tell me, I'll do it. What's the work God requires? And then Jesus says something that I've been trying to figure out my whole life, and I don't know that I've figured it out yet. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And every time I read that, I think, but I don't think of a belief as work. I don't think of believing as work. And maybe that's part of the point. I think of work as doing some type of meritorious deed. Um, I think of work as going to do some great deed. Some godly action where we could stand up before God and say, look at all this I did. Look at the ministry I did. Look at the marches I led. Look at the sins I avoided. The great and meritorious deed where God says, JP, you're my guy. Lucky to have you. Type of thing. It's similar to the story in 2 Kings 5 with Naaman and Elisha, where Elisha says, you want to be healed, go bathe in the Jordan. And he wants to go do something that has valor. He wants to go do something courageous so he can feel like, from a transactional perspective, he's earned the healing. And Elisha's like, that's not how we do things. Just 
Go wash, believe, and you will be healed. I got to be honest. I would rather go do the work than believe. Because sometimes it's incredibly hard to believe. Because by doing the works, I can take matters into my own hands and I can be self-reliant. I'm doing it. Hey, I've got this. But to go into a vulnerable relationship to where the work is to believe, I'm like, oh my goodness, now I'm trying to believe. Now I'm trying to depend on something outside myself. And my reliance is on God. But of course, that's the story of manna. That's what's going on with manna. Where they were told when they get to the wilderness to just in. Was that in the text or was that just your commentary when you said they were really upset? Okay. So it's kind of like the message from Justin. Okay, okay. So um, so they were really upset because they get to the wilderness and there's no food and they long for the days of Egypt. I mean, they're a stubborn, obstinate people, right? And uh, God, it's always interesting. God doesn't take them the shortest route to Canaan takes them almost the opposite way, and they just wander a while because the wilderness is a teaching experience. And what he's trying to teach them in the wilderness is how to have a vulnerable, reliant relationship and not a transactional one. So he teaches them through man, and he says, okay, here's what's going to happen. Every day you're going to wake up, you're going to go outside your tent, and there's going to be a type of bread that's on the ground. And I want you to gather that. Um, but don't get all excited. This is not... Walmart on Black Friday where it's like three, two, one, go and you get as much as you can because don't bother storing it up for the next day because if you do, it'll spoil, you know, and I always loved that as a kid, you know, with the maggots and stuff. I think I had a Sunday school teacher that did a smoke and mirrors type of thing where she actually had bread and bugs were in it and I remember it to this day. It was really cool. Okay, but you can't store it up for the next day because it's going to spoil. That's the work that spoils. When you try to take matters into your own hands, when you try to be self-reliant, when you say, I got this. Because what happens if you go out, you work really hard from 8 to 5, and you pile up more manna than your neighbor, and then you can keep it for the next day. The next day when you're eating your manna, you're not saying, thank you, God, for providing. You're saying, you're dang right I have bread because I worked hard yesterday to get it. It's their fault they're hungry. I worked hard, and that's why I have bread. And it's a way of self-reliance. So God says, no, every day it's going to spoil. Every day you've got to get up, and you've got to go gather it. And, and two things are taught in this. One, you can't be lazy. You've got to participate. God's not going to feed you with a spoon. God's not going to feed you with a straw. You can't sleep. You have to exit your tent at some point and gather, Okay. But it also keeps from the other extreme of greed. You can't pile it up. You can't elbow your friends out of the way. You can't outwork people. Is the scripture even said in ways that I don't even understand what it means? Some gathered a lot. Some gathered a little. They all had what they needed. Right? I'm like, what does that even mean? Okay? But this was teaching them to be reliant. Now, on the sixth day, they could gather up extra for the Sabbath. So on the Sabbath, they would sit there and say, we gathered extra, and it did not spoil, did not have maggots. And on the seventh day, they remembered God, and they remembered God's provision. Now, I've heard people say 
we can use that interpretation of saving up for the Sabbath that it is appropriate in Christian wisdom to put a little money aside for retirement when we're older and no longer able to work or to have a little money set aside in case the car breaks down or something like that. But only in such a way that when the car breaks down and you have a little money set aside, you say, God has provided for me. I have this money that God has provided for me and I can fix the car. Because if it goes to, I'm smarter than everyone else and I save this big pile of cash and yeah, I'm able to fix the car now. Nope, that's not what God is after. We can only save in a way that continues our reliance on God. When we save in a way that boosts our own ego, it's no longer a vulnerable relationship. It's a transactional relationship. And that's not the type of saving that God wants for us. Continuing on here, this is what God desires for them. Now, does God desire good deeds? Does God desire meritorious acts? Does God desire works of mercy and justice? Does God desire fruit of the Spirit? Absolutely. But that's something that should happen organically when we are people that believe. Not something to earn God's favor, but something to do in response because God loves us. Picture it this way. Picture it's the day of judgment. We all meet Jesus face to face. The day when God restores all things and we all meet God. And, and I do believe this will happen. What will be your approach to God in that moment? Will your approach be, God, here is my resume. <laughs> As you can see, I went to church all these years. I even went a bunch of Wednesday nights back when that was a thing. Um, I participated in all these ministries. I led these marches. I did these protests. I was involved in these acts of mercy and justice. I got baptized the right way, said the right things as I went under, read the right scriptures. I did all of those things. And now, let me in. And all of those are good things. I hope you all get baptized. I hope you all do works of mercy and justice. But that's a transactional attitude. Or, on the day of judgment, when we, when we see God and fall on our, our knees and say, I know you. We're not strangers. Because we've walked together for years and years and years. And there's a relationship there. There's a reliance. Where all you do is you look Jesus in the eye and you say, Lord, have mercy. Because you're relying on God, not trying to prove yourself to God. Some of us are caught up in patterns of transactional relationships with most people we know. And I think a lot of times that goes back to the fact that we have a transactional relationship with God. And I have found that in my life, if I can reframe them and have a vulnerable relationship with God... It helps me have a vulnerable relationship with my family. It helps me have a vulnerable relationship with my friends. And it helps me have a vulnerable relationship with you. Because I'm not trying to prove myself. I'm simply being in relationship. This passage ends with, with one of my favorite scriptures. And it comes up a lot around the communion table. Verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. 
And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This echoes what he said two chapters earlier to the woman at the well. If you drink this living water, you will never thirst again. The ultimate call for us is this. Jesus is our manna. Jesus is manna incarnate. And Jesus will satisfy all of our hungers. That will include our physical hunger, but it goes much more than our physical hunger. And the relationship we're invited into is not a relationship where God says, here's my 10-year plan for you. Here's all the good stuff that's going to happen to you. Here's all the ways I'm going to bless you. But God says, I will not tell you what the future holds. I will not give you specifics on tomorrow. But I will be with you. And I don't know everything that's going to be in the future, but I know that tomorrow when we wake up, And when we leave the door of our tent, manna will be there. Jesus will be there. And God will be with us because Jesus is the bread of life. from uh, Luke 22 this morning. When the time came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles joined him. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I won't eat it again until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. After taking a cup and giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it amongst yourselves. This is my body, which is given for you. I'm sorry. We back up there. I need a larger print Bible. After taking the bread and giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the meal and said, This cup is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come before you and take this meal together, that we can share amongst ourselves as your disciples shared amongst themselves. Lord, that we can remember your body that was broken for us, that we can remember your blood that was poured out for us to make us clean. Lord, we believe that your kingdom has come. Uh, Lord, that we are closer to the new heavens and new earth of Revelation 21 and 22 than we are to the curse in Genesis 3. And Lord, we are thankful for your love for us, uh, that you sent your son to us to break that curse and, and to give us the promise of what is to come. Lord, be with us this morning as we take this. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
closing reading is from Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many cap captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave the apostles, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray together. Almighty God, it is good to be together this morning. We are so thankful to be a, a part of a community um, whose goal is to look like Christ. You know our sins, Father, and we confess to you that we don't often trust that the man will be there every morning. We don't often um, trust in the blood that you have said covers our sin. We confess that we are selfish, that we... Um, try to prove our worth to you and to each other uh, all the time. Father, heal us of that. Forgive us of that. I pray that you would help this church and each individual here to more and more put their full trust in you. As we, as we go through our life and we have good days, I pray that we trust you. And when we have those days that are as bad as they get, I pray that we trust that you are with us and that somehow, even though we can't see it, that you will bring us out the other side. Father, we pray your blessing uh, as we start a new week. I pray that we will look for you in our friends, in our coworkers, in our family, and that we will look for ways to be Christ in this world. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. this week. Um, 
two sets of Matt and Laura's. Numbers was sweet, looks like. Tomorrow, Matt and Laura Sullivan have their 24th, and the 4th, Matt and Laura Bauer have their 14th. Um, also tomorrow, uh, Jonathan Gibson, and on 4th, the 4th, Rachel Gibson, have birthdays. Matt Perkins also on the 4th. Edgar Corley, 17. Congratulations, Edgar. And Trisha Mullins on the 7th. So this last week was a big week for many of you. And I don't mean on a, the, uh, the 200th anniversary of Peru's independence from Spain. That was Wednesday. <laughs> so it was a big week for her. But, but for the rest, of, the rest of you guys, Encounter 2021 was a great week, it sounds like, uh, listening to my kids, uh, driving home. They've been talking about it a lot since then. It was a hot week. Definitely, I think it was the hottest week of the summer. So even for uh, those of us who stayed here and worked inside, it was a hot week. So uh, we definitely want to um, uh, congratulate the, the counselors that made this happen. Bodie, Charlie, Jade, JP, Marianne, Paul, Sabrina, Sarah, and Spencer. So definitely on behalf of the parents of counselors, you guys did a great job. Uh, gave us a week, a quiet week for once. So that was really good. Uh, next year, definitely market calendars. It's going to be on 24th to the 29th. Encounter 2022. Next week is the back to school blessing. Um, as already been alluded to, this summer has gone by really fast. Uh, a lot of us are definitely looking forward to having hopefully a normal school year this year um, in person. Uh, but lots to keep keeping our prayers regarding you know, the Delta variant and, the, and things like that. So um, that's uh, next Sunday night. Um, at the Conway's Yard. We pray over the upcoming school year and also officially welcome the, the seven rising fifth graders. It says here one rising sixth grader to the middle school huddle. Um, I've been told there's a couple names that are missing, and uh, you guys can add to that if I'm missing anybody else, but Abila, Emmett, Esther, Henry, Judah, Norbeth, Redding, Roxy, um, TJ, Mason, and Hank. I believe should be on there as well. Is there anybody else that's missing? And coming up on Saturday, October the 23rd, is the Siloam Health Dodgeball Tournament. If you'd like to join the team, see Clay and Marianne start training this week. And Clay can probably tell you some, some workouts that you could be doing that are specific to dodgeball. Maybe probably just jumping rope and suicide sprints and things like that. Start this week. And uh, the tentative return to small groups will be September the 12th. More details to come. I continue to pray for uh, Shelly's sister, Cassie. Uh, says she's doing better, at least in the hospital on Friday. Those in cancer treatment, Marianne Corley, Nancy, Shelly, <clears throat> Trudy, Aiden, Brett, and Skyler. And of course, to continue to pray for our missionaries, both here and abroad. Uh, tonight at five o'clock, we'll be meeting again. Uh, Brian Thornton will be talking about uh, uh, the study of 1 John. And on Wednesday, uh, Brown Bag Bebo in the Thornton's Yard. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Jimmy? You know, we used to have like a red belt thing on top of the community table. We took that off with the new color scheme. Clay refinished the community table. So thank you, Clay, for doing that. So you'll want to notice that it's, it's super nice now. So thank you, Clay. Anything else?
coffee and donuts downstairs, plus afterwards. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.